Thank you. It's wonderful to be back at Meadowbrook again. Um, it's become almost like a, a pilgrimage time for me every year, year and a half, making the trek down and uh, just always enjoying the fellowship here so much. Uh, you know, it's always, I was kind of joking with my wife, I said, I know when I come down to Meadowbrook, there's going to be at least one worship song that I've never heard before that's going to blow me away and it's going to be on my playlist for the rest of the year. And sure enough, every year it happens. And so I'm, uh, I just love being able to worship with you folks and to fellowship and to pray. And it's just such an honor to, to be here today, uh, really and truly. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I'm just going to give a, a small intro and background. Most of you have heard me share uh, as I've been down, but there might be some people who haven't are new. So I just want to give you just a, just a couple minutes so you, uh, and then we'll, we'll jump into the word here together. Uh, and so I have a family, a wonderful family. I'm married to Tiffany. I have three kids, Nathan, Mackenzie, and Liberty. Uh, they're 16, 15, and 10 years old. Uh, my wife and I met when we were quite young, 18 and 19, uh, with kind of a heart to serve the Lord. And uh, we've been kind of journeying into that and trying to figure that out ever since. In our 20s, we were in Toronto, uh, and my wife led a ministry for human trafficking victims, and I participated in that and helped alongside of that as we worked with gangs and uh, trafficking victims in Toronto. So we did that in our 20s, and kind of that was our kind of entry into ministry. We've been in ministry for almost 20 years now, uh, and have never worked for a church, which is kind of interesting, hey? Uh, people always say, what church do you work for? And I don't know, the church. You know, I haven't uh, done too much uh, of this. Uh, this is uh, more unusual for me to be speaking to a big group like this. But so that was our 20s. Uh, and in that time, God just really uh, captured our hearts around a whole number of things. And one of the things that uh, really God did in our heart was uh, uh, over and over again, as we were working with human trafficking victims, the majority of the people that we met uh, had come from remote First Nations communities and had been trafficked uh, by gangs into the city uh, and forced uh, into prostitution. That's still happening to this day. In fact, just the other day, there was a big shooting on one of the reserves, uh, all involving two gangs from Toronto who are up fighting over the rights to be able to grab the young women and bring them down to the city. Uh, so this is, this is a thing. It's a big thing. Uh, and when we started to realize that and started to journey with people, uh, God just did something in our heart. And so we shifted gears in our 30s and we headed up north at that time to Perry Sound, just asking God, God, what would you have us do? Uh, and so we moved north. We started to build relationships. We started to meet people and uh, God moved and uh, was able to see lots of house churches start, uh, lots of just incredible moments of people encountering Christ. Um, so many of my stereotypes were totally turned upside down in that time. So many of my expectations turned out to be wrong. Uh, and I kind of really learned uh, through that time how much I often sell Christ short. Um, it's just amazing. Uh, what happens when people encounter Jesus, no matter where they've come from or what the situation is. Even as Pastor Chris read that uh, Palm Sunday passage just a few minutes ago, and just that scene of Jesus coming in and, you know, people just couldn't help it but to lay their lives down and cry out and praise, uh, so much so that Jesus said even the rocks would do it if they, if they were quiet. And that's, uh, that's how people react to Jesus. 
when we're not so worried about covering them up and making them look good and presenting a certain way. It's just amazing what happens. And so that was kind of what we've been doing the last number of years. I'm uh, in, in that time, my connection to the MB family, of course, you know, the Mennonite Brethren, um, uh, the denomination this church is also a part of. Uh, I've been connected in with them uh, for uh, maybe 11 or 12 years or something like that now. Um, and I'm part of their, uh, uh, their program, Multiply, their mission agency. Uh, and so, and part of that kind of family, that's who I'm accountable to. And that's how I initially met Meadowbrook. Uh, and for those of you who are, uh, haven't met me before, one of the big parts of my story has been Meadowbrook. Meadowbrook's been the church that has kind of anchored us uh, throughout the last decade or so. Um, prayer ministry is absolutely gigantic uh, for what we do. I uh, really believe that uh, all ministry is either prayer ministry or being used by God in response to prayer ministry. And we need prayer, and we need to grow in prayer. And uh, Meadowbrook has been uh, just a lifeline for us in the midst of that. Many of you have been praying for me, my family, and many others for a long, long time. Uh, and it is just so deeply appreciated. It's been so great to be on the journey. Um, some of you know we have a, we're kind of always growing in how the prayer ministry works. More recently, in this last year or so, started using a WhatsApp prayer chain. Uh, and so... Uh, as far as Meadowbrook is, it was an eight-hour drive for me uh, by the time we got down yesterday, so we're a bit of a trek away, but probably on a daily basis, I would get scriptures, texts, messages back and forth from half a dozen Meadowbrook people, like daily. So you don't feel as far away as uh, you look on the map, and I really, really appreciate that, those prayers just so incredibly. It, uh, they change lives, including my own my wife, my kids, my wife and kids send their blessing. And my wife constantly says, I know Meadowbrook's praying for me today when uh, things are happening and breakthroughs are happening. And it's just an incredible thing. And we're just so incredibly, incredibly grateful. So that's kind of who's talking to you today. Uh, maybe the last piece I'll throw in there that's changed since I was here last. In the midst of COVID and everything that's happening, of course, lots, the world's been a different place, lots of restrictions, different things happening. Uh, and in the middle of that, uh, it just was really on our heart um, to draw closer to folks who haven't had a chance to know Jesus yet. And that's been hard. The beginning of COVID, the first year, year and a half or something like that, we spent a lot of time working with leaders in the communities. Uh, and it was a bit easier to talk to uh, other brothers and sisters in the faith and get them on Zoom to do stuff. Uh, pretty hard for people who never know Jesus yet to be like, hey, you want to jump on a Zoom call? Talk about Jesus? How do you do that? What does that look like? And so we did a bit, but not much. And so uh, as God uh, led, uh, and in response to some prayers I'm going to get into in a minute, uh, started working as a chaplain at the Sudbury Jail uh, a couple days a week in the midst of the broader ministry that we've been a part of for a long time. Uh, and so uh, since June of last year, a few days a week, I get to work uh, in the Sudbury Jail with all sorts of folks. Uh, lovely, blessed folks, and I'm going to share a bit about that as we go on. So that's kind of their bird's eye view update of uh, who we are and where we're at. Not surprisingly, you know, given that introduction, today I'd love to talk a bit about prayer. Uh, in the last few days, I've been talking to Jesus and just asking what to share on, what scriptures to use, and it's all been pointing to prayer, and I kind of, this morning, was kind of finishing up uh, the message, and then I thought, I sure hope this isn't the message I preached last year. 
It's a fresh message. It just came the last couple days. But then I was like, did I talk about prayer last year? I'm like, did I talk about prayer the year before? Like, I can't remember. Uh, but the thing is, when I think of Meadowbrook, I think of prayer, and it's been the journey we've been on together. And so hopefully uh, this comes off. If it's a message I've preached before, I don't remember preaching it. So hopefully it comes off fresh today. Um, but, you know, prayer uh, is just this incredible opportunity we have to talk with God. I was reading this morning in Psalm 27. There's a verse there where it says, uh, David is writing in that psalm. He says, uh, I hear you say, come talk with me. And my heart says, oh Lord, I'm coming. That's basically prayer. God's saying, come talk with me. We can sometimes feel like prayer starts with us where we're like, you know, because often our early in our prayer life, it's when we're in a real tight spot that we cry out to God and like ask him to come and meet us in it. Uh, and that's amazing and beautiful. But as we grow in prayer, we realize even those moments, there's been an invitation preceding that, that deep down in our souls, we know where God has been saying for a long time before those crises, come talk with me. Let's have a conversation. And you know, prayer changes things. Prayer changes us as we pray, we're changed. And as we pray, the world around us is changed. Prayer is uh, this incredible privilege uh, and blessing that we've been given. And I would like to share a bit about how prayer and ministry come together. Uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 to 11. Uh, this is in the Sermon on the Mount, the series of some incredible teachings that uh, Jesus is giving. Uh, and this is what he says uh, on prayer. Keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? Let's pray for a moment. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for these words that have traveled through time and are being breathed to life by your Holy Spirit right now. Jesus, I thank you that you are still the same. You are the eternal living word of God, and that these words are being spoken with the same authority now as they were some 2,000 years ago. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus, for these words. I just pray that you would illuminate them, that you would open our hearts to them, that you'd break down any shells or walls we have up around our hearts in the area of prayer. God, I just confess and I... Uh, Lord, just invite my friends here to join me in that confession that prayer has been a tricky thing because of lots of emotional hurts, lots of abuses of prayer that I've been around, lots of prayers that seemed at the time unanswered and felt uh, abandoned. Lord, I just confess that I have some emotional baggage around prayer. 
And I imagine I'm not the only one. So Lord, we just bring that before you and pray that you teach us to trust you in that conversation uh, called prayer. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So in this passage, we have Jesus talking and he tells us to ask, seek, and knock. Tells us to come to him. In fact, he says something that is absolutely scandalous. You will receive what you ask for. That's pretty much a door closer in most conversations. You know, when you come and say, hey, guess what? If you pray, you'll receive what you ask for. What does that do in you? You're like, yes, amen, that's my experience. Or are you like, hmm, hmm, always? What kind of prayer? Am I not doing it right? What's happening? And that's kind of probably, I imagine, part of what Jesus is trying to draw out um, in this passage. But there's this incredible promise. You will seek, uh, you'll receive what you ask for. Now, for me, this kind of journey that I've been on with prayer in the context of ministry, the context of mission, uh, has been a long one, and I've been pretty slow to learn the lessons. A couple weeks ago, I was at uh, my grandfather's funeral. Uh, He was 92 years old and went to be with the Lord, and I was able to share at the funeral, and uh, it it was a wonderful time celebrating his walk with Jesus, and there's lots of eulogies, people sharing stories. And, you know, the two things that came up over and over is that he, he loved the Lord and he worked hard. Loved the Lord and he worked hard over and over. And, uh, and that's something that's kind of been passed down to me. And most of the days, on a good day, it's a good thing. But on a bad day, it's kind of gotten in my way. Here's the thing uh, that's been my pattern, my typical pattern in ministry these last 20 years. When I read a passage like this, ask, seek, and knock, I tend to be much more comfortable with the seeking and the knocking than with the simple asking. That's just the truth of it. Uh, Early on in my walk with the Lord, you know, just newly dating my wife and we're passionate for the things of God and we're heading out to, you know, by God's grace, do the Lord's work and we just went after it hard. You know, and if you've been in our circle of friends or perhaps you know me enough to be like, yeah, like those guys, they go after it. And we do. We go after it. Whatever the Lord's put in front of us at different stages in life. And we seek and we knock and we seek and we knock and and we go and we go and we just read the books and take the courses and go to the conferences and get the mentors and we put in the time and we don't worry about the hours. And, you know, for 20 years, people have been telling me, you're going to burn out. The grace of God, that's not happening yet. We keep going. Seek, knock. And I was thinking about that at my grandfather's funeral that day. Guys, I come by that honestly. And you know, though, after all the trainings and all the conferences and all the blogs and all the YouTube videos and all the things and all the seeking after, seeking, seeking to see more of the things of God, seeing his kingdom come, um, I got to the point where I just had to ask. <laughs> it's funny how asking for me came last. You know, in this passage, and I'm going to read it again in a moment here, it's very clear that asking is the core of what Jesus is trying to talk about. He starts by saying, ask, keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Then he talks about seeking and knocking, but then he again 
finishes by talking about asking again. That he compares it to a relationship with a child and a parent. And he says, which of you earthly fathers, earthly parents, if your child asks you for something, do you give them something bad in return if they ask you for something good? If they ask for bread, do you give them a stone? If you ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? So he begins by asking and he finishes by asking. But for some reason, my order is seek, knock, ask. But here Jesus is really saying ask and then seek and knock. And there's something just incredibly powerful when we just humble ourselves and ask. I remember earlier on in my, my Christian walk when I was first learning this lesson after years of being in ministry already. And, you know, you come off... Uh, Loving people who are hurting and broken, you know, I think of our time in Toronto, people very hurting and broken, uh, it's not easy. You know, there's a reason why we don't just do it naturally. In fact, we need the gift of God to be able to do that. I remember after years of doing that and being burned again and again and again, my heart starting to get bitter and starting to get hard, and this is difficult, uh, just taking a moment where I just felt Jesus invite me to just ask him. So is it a good thing to love people? Is that a good thing? If God is the good father that he promises he is in this passage, and we ask him to teach us how to love people, is he going to give us a stone instead? Of course not. And so I remember asking, God, could you teach me to love people? Just a little shift there. Instead of just saying, I should. Would you teach me to love people? And, you know, years went by and that happened. It just started to come in my life that there's just this love overflowing that all the trying hard and all the seeking and knocking by itself just led me to exhaustion uh, and kind of bitterness. But asking, he answered. He taught me. But see, the thing is, Jesus is still alive and well, and he's the great teacher. He always has been and he always will be, and he'll teach and you know, in different stages of life, we come up against different parts of that. You know, would you uh, teach me, Lord, how to see people healed? Would you teach me how to see people set free? And there's been these moments, but they've always come after years and years and years of struggling. And there's a lot of things that are laid out in the scripture that are apparent to us that we all know are good. We know it's good to love people. We know it's good to pray. We know it's good to share the good news about Jesus, right? We know all these things. So we know that. And we all try to one degree or the next. And we walk around with this really bad word in our mind around these things. Should. Who here thinks, oh, I should pray more? Mm-hmm. Uh, I should be a better witness. Oh, I should be witnessing more at work. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I should really be reaching out to my neighbors. Anyone else have that word should kind of in front of all those things an awful lot? Well, I mean, I'm the master of that word should. And I spent a lot of my life pushing in from that. And you know what? God in his grace, you know, see a little happen here and a little happen there. And some good things came out of that. And God taught me an awful lot. But nothing like we see in the New Testament. Nothing like the scene uh, of Jesus entering in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday that day. Uh, that we're celebrating today, you know, a few thousand years ago where like almost like all creation was basically crying out. You know, I, I don't see anything like that. You know, and you kind of wonder what's going on and there's this 
moment of humbling and asking. And I've just always been more comfortable being a seeker than an asker. But there's, it's all about our identity in Christ. You know, in this passage here where Jesus says that's like a child asking a father, there's a relationship. It's like that Psalm 27 passage of Lord inviting us, come talk with me. And our heart's saying, Lord, I'm coming. Getting to that place of intimacy where we're not trying to strive for something as though God set this impossible standard and we just need all the resources to try to like boost us a little bit closer to just saying, could you teach me? For me, because I'm stubborn, I waited till I was at the end of myself and all these different things before I've asked. But I'm learning to start with the ask. Jesus said to me, or said to us in John chapter 14, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. What an incredible passage. Here, Jesus is promising that he will never leave us. He will be with us. In fact, he wants to make his home with us. It's very similar to this passage uh, that we were just reading in Matthew where it talks about him being like a father. You know, we live in the same home as our father. So it's about closeness. It's about relationship. He's saying, me and the father want to make our home with you. Not just us, the Holy Spirit too. In fact, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to teach you everything. That's another one of those big promises that can be a bit of an awkward conversation moment with other believers. So first in this other passage, he says, and you will receive what you ask for. And then he's saying the Holy Spirit will teach you everything. I don't know about you, but usually when I have a Bible question, I Google it first. Anyone else Google Bible questions? I Google Bible questions all the time. It's a lot easier to be a pastor since there's been Google. You just Google things and answers come up. That's not a bad thing. But it's interesting how I know in my life anyways, my heart's response is to always try to figure things out first. Whether it be in prayer, whether it be in loving people, whether it be in evangelism or whatever the case, always stuck in that realm of should. I should do more, I should try harder. Well, then I guess I should look this up. I should and I should. And then eventually a few years go by and you're just like, I guess you have that choice of either humbling yourself and asking Uh, or giving up, or changing the standard, lowering it down so that what we see in the New Testament, I'm going to lower it down to meet my shoulds and what's happenings. Jesus has this incredible promise that he will teach us, and he will. You know, uh, one of the, I want to give just an example of this as we go forward. There's so many ways we could apply this, of course, uh, in ways that we've been striving and we should just stop and ask. Uh, For me this year, the big one has been in the area of evangelism. Uh, And so you would think, okay, 20 years uh, in ministry, uh, on the front lines uh, of evangelism, you would think that would be something I would know a lot about. And I think in a lot of ways I probably do. You know, I do trainings on it. Uh, I've been to tons of trainings on it, had incredible mentors in it. But at the same time, in the midst of all that, it didn't just seem to ever just 
flow, and it still didn't seem to be like the way that Jesus would talk about in the New Testament. I don't know if anyone here has, uh, knows someone who's a gifted evangelist. Does anyone here have a gifted evangelist as a friend or in your circle? You know, gifted evangelists to me are the most annoying people. People sometimes think that I'm a gifted evangelist. I'm absolutely not. I, I see people respond to the good news, but I'm not a gifted evangelist. And you know that when you're with a gifted evangelist because you just walk along and you spend a day. One of my friends, uh, his name's Paul, uh, and he's a gifted evangelist. And you just spend the day with him. Uh, go grab a coffee, go do a few errands. And people are just coming to him and he's just speaking good news and people are crying and they're responding. I remember one day I was driving with Paul and we uh, were just going to go and he had to go pick up his car from the auto dealership or something like that. As we were driving at a stoplight, someone just saw him and gestured to pull down the window and they came up and he was holding their hand, leading them to Christ as he's driving to the auto shop. I'm blown away. We get to the auto shop. The guy at the auto shop, he starts to cry and he shares the good news with him. And I'm just like, Ah, oh, you bug me so much. Like, how do you do that? And then I kind of look at it, and here I am, well-equipped, well-trained. I think, you didn't even do it right. You missed half the important information. You weren't even that kind. There's no relationship there whatsoever. Like, ah, oh, bug me. You know, and uh, so here I am doing my best. I'm seeking and I'm knocking and I'm seeking and I'm knocking and I'm trying harder and, you know, Lord, teach me how to do this. And, um, well, I shouldn't say that. I hadn't said that yet. Just, Lord, I should be doing this. I should. Lord, I want to be like Paul. Lord, I want to be like my friend Paul. And then you kind of get to the point where it's like, is this thing broken? Like, I'm knocking and I'm knocking and I'm trying and I'm trying and... You know, this, uh, about a year ago now, sometime early in uh, 2021, uh, I came uh, to this scripture and it just uh, hit me. It's a scripture where Paul, Apostle Paul now, not my friend Paul, my Apostle Paul is talking to one uh, of his disciples, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4, 5. And he says, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. Do the work of, the, of an evangelist. That phrase really hit me. And I just thought, hey, I'm not an evangelist. But Paul here, Timothy wasn't an evangelist, but he was told to do the work of an evangelist. That really freed me up. And I know, uh, I know uh, Pastor Chris has done lots of great teaching around spiritual gifts. And so we all know here that just because we're not necessarily gifted in something doesn't mean we don't do it. You know, you might not have the gift of a compassion, but it doesn't mean you don't love people, right? You might not have the gift of teaching, it doesn't mean you don't uh, share the word and, and teach, you know, the people around you, you know, your kids and so on and so forth. You know, we might not have the gift of healing, but it doesn't mean we don't pray for someone to be healed. And just as we don't have the gift of evangelism, doesn't mean we don't, we don't evangelize. Just because we're not like, all like my friend Paul, who just seems to walk around and sneeze and people give their life to Christ, uh, doesn't mean that we don't step into that. And this is kind of where I had that moment where I thought, okay, I need to just ask. I've tried all this stuff. I could sit here and teach you how to lead someone to Christ with the three circles, with the spiritual laws, with the, I knew I know all this stuff. And I said, okay, it's enough. I'm coming, Lord. My heart says, come. Let's talk about this. Would you teach me? And I put it on my phone. Uh, 
you know, once a week, my phone, there's a reminder pops up my phone and it just says, Jesus, teach me to do the work of an evangelist. Just simple. No razzle-dazzle there. And it comes up once a week and I pray. And it's incredible. I prayed those prayers in other areas of my life. Like I said, around prayer, around deliverance, around loving people. I've prayed those prayers. And when you do, you always need to buckle up. But Jesus is an incredible teacher, and he's hands-on. And he'll drag you into situations and set you up, and he'll teach you in ways that you will not forget. Uh, He's good. He's really good. And so kind of started to pray that prayer, and uh, he started to teach. He started to teach me. You know, and I ended up uh, getting this job at the jail, and this was part of God's answer. I didn't see it at the time. But in hindsight, it's like Jesus enrolled me in uh, Evangelism University uh, at the jail. Uh, his, his style. His style. And, you know, I ended up uh, working at the jail and walking in and just, just rows and rows and rows of people behind bars. The way that it works at the jail, there's two sets of bars. There's uh, a main set of bars that will run the whole length of an area. There's lots of different areas in the jails. It'll run the length of an area. And then maybe about 10 feet back or so, there's all the cells with the bars. So there's two sets of bars between you and the inmates. I'm in a maximum security jail, so it's very, uh, there's always distance in bars. Uh, And it turned out to be an awful lot like it feels for me doing evangelism in out of jail. It just doesn't ever feel like there's a lot of barriers between you and the person or between the message and the person. And uh, Jesus has been teaching me there. He's been teaching me so many different things. Uh, About eight months later now, or whatever that is, from June until now, uh, Jesus has just changed me. He's completely changed me. And it's not that I learned something that I... It's not that I just learned a new technique. It's a heart thing. You know, it's a heart thing. And when you learn something from a book, and then when you learn something directly from Jesus because you've humbled yourself to ask him, it's a totally different kind of a thing. Do you know what I'm saying? It changes your heart. And this last month, I can say without any exaggeration, I've seen more people turn to Jesus and surrender their life to him in the last month than I have in the last 20 years. And I kind of look back sometimes, I think, okay, let me break this down. What did I, what are the gems out of this that I can teach people? I'm like, I'm not doing things that different on the surface anyways. I didn't learn some new hot tip uh, that I can kind of pass off uh, to you guys. Like, hey, try it like this and it'll work perfect. You know, it's a, it's a heart thing. Jesus teaches our hearts. He trains us in our spirit uh, and teaches us to walk in his ways. Um, about a week ago, uh, one of the ranges, one of the areas in the jail, someone had overdosed, uh, had overdosed and died. And uh, it was this horrible, sad scene. And uh, I kind of went in to, to go chat with some of, the, some of the folks in there, some of the inmates. And uh, they were all locked up in their cells. And uh, there was this kind of gruesome scene kind of on the floor in front of them. And they're all just uh, heavy. You know, and I walked up and wasn't quite sure what to do, but Jesus is teaching, eh? He's teaching and kind of realized, hey, he's actually there before me. I don't have to think of what to do here. He's already here. He's already talking to people. Uh, and it's true. And sure enough, as I got there, people said, could you read us a story from the Bible before I had a chance to say anything? I was able to get out my Bible and 
share a story from Scripture. And, and so, can we, can we, could you tell us another one? Don't go yet. Can we hear another one? Sure. Here's another story from the Bible. And before I had a chance to give my big evangelism spiel, another one? Can we get one more? Do you have time for one more? Yeah, one more. Share another scripture. And started to pray and said, you know, we're going to pray. And if you, if you want to uh, respond to this, I haven't given anything other than reading. If you want to respond to this, just put out your hands. Just as an act of receiving the truth that you've just heard. And no word of a lie, the whole row, every single man with tears in their eyes, through the bars. This is a beautiful picture, eh? Hands reaching through bars has become one of my favorite pictures. You know, hands through the bars, whole row of men weeping and surrendering their life to Christ. And I see that, and as much as it's joyful, it's also heartbreaking for me. And the reason that it's heartbreaking is I just think of all the people I've walked by in my life trying so hard to do the things I should do. And I just wonder, if I just asked, if I just asked, I wonder how life would be different, hey? If I just asked, instead of feeling guilty and feeling like I'm falling short all the time, if I just asked, what would happen? So I asked earlier, uh, who here struggles with the shoulds? So does anyone here struggle with the, I should be doing evangelism more? You just raise your hand if that's you. Okay, so I'm not alone in that. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hand here because I'm not trying to shame anyone, but have you asked, you know, have you ever asked instead of just feeling bad? Instead of signing up for another course, instead of coming up with a new program idea, and we put tons of money in these programs to do all these things, to give us an opportunity to just maybe, just maybe be able to share the gospel with someone. Have you just asked? This is really the simple message today. God moves in response to prayer, and he's inviting us to join him in that. The seeking and the knocking turns out to come in handy but it follows the request and the humbling. It follows that when we come to our Heavenly Father and say, Lord, I know your word. I know the commands. You've said to do the work of an evangelist. You've told us to pray the Lord's Prayer. You've told us to love our enemies. You've told us these things. These are your commands, and you've promised your Holy Spirit to teach us all things and lead us into all things, so I surrender now. Teach me, Lord. I don't know how. You teach me. I need you to do it directly. All my stuff isn't working. Something needs to change. And you know, in this world that we're in right now, uh, you know, it's dark times. And people are hungry. They're so hungry for the Lord. And uh, we're walking around feeling guilty that we don't know what to do about it. Let's stop that. Let's stop with the guilt and just say, Lord, I'm coming. I'm coming to talk. Tell me what to do. Amen? Amen. Well, Heavenly Father, I just thank you again for this day. Thank you for these incredible folks here. Lord, each and every one, your child. I thank you, Father, that we are not orphans left having to strive to please. We're not all on our own trying to have to figure it out. You're not a harsh taskmaster who tells us to do things and then abandons us to drudge along, doing it halfway, feeling like we're always letting you down. That's not our story. 
You are a good father, and if we ask for bread, you won't give us stone. You're a good teacher, and you've not abandoned us. You've sent your spirit to teach us all things. You want to make your home with us. So we lay our hearts down, Lord. Teach us to do the work of an evangelist, I pray. Teach us how to pray for others. Teach us how to love those who are difficult to love. Teach us, Jesus. We just acknowledge your presence. You are not dead. You are alive. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we yield to that presence and pray, Jesus, that you would lead us into all truth. Shine your light upon us, I pray. Change our hearts. Lord, we just look forward to, uh, yeah. In this Palm Sunday, Lord, I picture in my mind just you entering into Jerusalem. That was a thing that happened. And it's a thing that still happens around the world as many, many people flock to you to praise you and to lift your name up, even among those who don't know you. So would we see that in Leamington, Lord? Would we see that in our workplaces and in our families? God, open our hearts. We surrender to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.